And when he came round to me, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not doing the right thing. And he said, oh, thank goodness, it's so good to see someone doing something else. And I've, still, I've always remembered that because at school, it was all about trying to find out what you were supposed to do. Um, whereas there's not one thing you are supposed to do. You can do what you think. Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful, and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Asia Kennedy. Hello, everyone. So another fantastic episode of Brilliant Misfits, and today I have a really beautiful special guest. Her name's Wendy Sharp. She's a well-known Australian artist. She's won numerous awards for her paintings and drawings. She travels the world. And I think um, that's probably enough. I mean, I I don't know what else to say. I'm a bit starstruck about it all, actually. So welcome, Wendy. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you very much. So I'm just going to start off because the show is uh, about brilliant misfits and today's episode we're going to be talking about art which is one of my favorite topics. Um, I want to ask you about your earliest memory about when you wanted to become an artist. What, When did that happen? And um, the reason I'm asking is because I recognize your brilliance in what you do. Um, it's very obvious but I'm also interested to hear that the path of you becoming an artist, if that has any connection to growing up and feeling like you didn't quite fit into uh, the sort of options that were available for mm. girls and women. Yeah, well, I I didn't know that you could be an artist and in a way you really can't. I mean, you either are, I do believe, and it's a romantic thing to say, that you either are one or you're not. Hmm. But um, if you're looking at it as a way of making money, and I don't mean a graphic artist, but a, a painter that I am, hmm. you, know, you know, with actual oil paintings and so on, um, it's not the sort of thing that you would generally look at as a way of making money. Or if you are, I think that's um, it's a bit of a risky one, to put it mildly. Um, and uh, I had never heard of anyone really doing that. My parents were very supportive. My mother had actually gone very briefly to art school. She could draw. She wasn't imaginative, but she did have um, some technical skill. And uh, her her mother, my grandmother, actually pulled her out of art school and made her do a secretarial course, which she didn't want to do. Um, and I, and my and I think that that was partly what made my mother want me make made me made her allow me to do what I wanted or encourage me to do what I wanted. My father, um, not a visual person, but a writer and with imagination and a poetic disposition, um, I feel that I've got my artistic ability from him more than her. Even though my mother was more able to draw, my father was the one more with ideas and with interests in the sort of things that I'm interested in. So both of them encouraged me. Um, When I was at school, I was the illustrator for school magazines, drama productions, and everything like that. So all children draw and paint, but I 
was known for it, never really did anything else and always did it constantly. It was just constantly a thing that I've done. Um, and, you know, as you're saying, this fits. No, I didn't fit in at school. I was teased at school. I was a very sensitive child. I was very shy, um, which, of course, and easily hurt, which, of course, in the nasty schoolyard makes you a very um, good target. So um, I, I found school pretty horrible. Um, and uh, I didn't realise, actually, how much better everything else was and, until I left. <laughs> right. And do you think, um, I think that's a common theme. I, I can also relate to that being teased a lot in school. But yeah. uh, for myself, I, I feel like it's given me some kind of inner resilience that I don't really know it's there until it's needed. And, and then when it comes up, I'm, I'm sort of surprised by it. But um, I think when you say when you were easily hurt in school, that probably was the same for you because being an artist, I think you do need a lot of resilience because you do have to somewhat have a thick skin when you're out in the art world. Maybe. I don't actually think that it has done. I understand what you're saying. I don't think it has done that for me. I don't think, I think I'm still easily hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, but what I do notice is that I have a very, I fiercely want to, save someone else who's going through it. So right. I have an almost rational, strong attitude. If I see something like happening to someone else, I really want to um, jump in and do something because I, I feel so strongly about people being victimised and that sort of thing. So I suppose, you know, it's easier to fight for someone else and it's also easier to fight now um, as, a, as an adult. And, you know, at the age I am now too, you know, I'm sort of, obviously I can speak up for myself for much more now. Mm. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I think that, you know, like I, I think that it wasn't, it, it, you know, like whatever it doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, I don't know if it did actually, I'd rather not have had that, all that happen to me. Mm. Um, but, uh, I always have been able to sort of go into my own world, which is, my own imaginative world as a child and now. So I, I, perhaps I've, you know, it's been, I've always got the same sort of refuge, but it's not just a refuge. It's, um, it's a whole wonderful world of whatever it is I'm thinking about. Um, mm. But, you know, it, it did, I, I, I know that it was, took a while to, for me to lose this trying to sort of hide myself away kind of thing or try not to be noticed. Like when I was at school, you didn't want to be the one that stood out because if you did, you, um, you know, that was, you're not allowed to. School is all about conformity. Mm. And um, uh, you're allowed to not conform if you're, if you're a very tough character, but if you're not, um, you cop it. And, uh, and I think I had that. When I left, I can tell you a story about that, though, that this is um, when I left school and I first went to a little technical college, I ended up being a student for many, many years. I was a student for seven years straight doing full-time courses and then another two years. So I was nine years studenting. So I certainly was a student for a long time. But the first the first year of all of this was in a little technical college and I'm 17 turning 18. And I remember this particular incident where we were given this still life to draw. It's not a very exciting subject, but it was a big still life. And the teacher there said, you know, you can use whatever materials you like. You can use anything you want to draw this. And so I'm drawing this and I'm using ink, ink washes with a brush. Nothing terribly exciting what I was doing, but I was doing that. 
And then I looked around the room and I saw no one else was doing that. Everyone else was using pencil. And when he came around to me, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not doing the right thing. And he said, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. It's so good to see someone doing something else. And I've, still, I've always remembered that because at school, it was all about trying to find out what you were supposed to do. Um, whereas there's not one thing you are supposed to do. You mm. can do what you think. And um, that, that, you know, I've remembered that for all these years because that was like a revelation to me. Really? I'm really allowed, you know? Oh, God, you know? So um, that was a year I really blossomed because I realized that I could do what I want and, and actually be rewarded for, um, for doing something that was a little different rather than attacked. Mm-hmm. And I and I've, I'll also say that the school I went to was um, like a hippie school almost. I mean, it was a, an ordinary government-run state school, but it was certainly not a regimented one. It was about as relaxed as you could be. But it's still, but schools are all about conformity, unless I suppose you were in a Steiner school or something. But ordinary schools are about conformity, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has anything to do with the struggle that I. Um, I noticed that a lot of women have about being visible, just putting themselves out there, just being who they are. Oh, I think so. I do mm. think so. And they say, and I, although I, I, I went to a co-ed, so I don't really know what it's like to go to a girls' school, but they say that um, girls usually thrive better in girls' schools and um, boys thrive better in co-eds. Now, in a way, I'm glad that I went to a co-ed because I'm an only child and um, it means that I've just got, you know, boys were not a weird thing to me. They were just an ordinary thing because I was in a, a co-ed. So in a way, I think that they are good because it's more natural to mix with boys and girls. But on another way, um, I think that if I'd probably been at a girls' school, I wouldn't have perhaps, yeah, girls were the ones who were picking on me a lot too. But I just think that there's this thing about girls trying to be less visible and, you know, all this extra issue of having teenage boys around when you're a teenage girl, I think does add extra, extra problems to you. And, um, and so I think, yeah, I think that's true. Hmm. Hmm. So I want to, I love your art. And I think, um, just for the listeners who aren't familiar with your art, you do a lot of, um, drawings about humanity you really um i think you even did some portraits of of uh refugee detainees and um and uh yes yeah, yeah, so yeah so i just uh, wanted to pick your brain a little bit about um what what inspires you to do portrayals of humanity okay well that particular thing that you're talking about was mm. um that was sort of a one-off project that I did called Seek, uh, for an exhibition that I had called Seeking Humanity, which is uh, done in conjunction with the Asylum Seeker Centre in Sydney. Yeah. And um, they weren't actually detained. They were, they were people who are living legally in the community waiting for their applications for residency to be processed, or those who've already had that and are now starting to rebuild their lives here in Australia. Um, but I, I, I did, this was a little, I mean, this was unusual in that um, my work is much more, as I was saying then again, about even though it's all people and it's all figurative and I'm always interested in people, it's not realistic portraits from life. In fact, that's something I don't do at all. But in this case, the reason I did that um, was I, because we never actually see asylum seekers or hear any of their stories, 
it enables them to become statistics rather than human beings. And I had this idea that I could sit and draw someone for two to three hours in colour, just a straight portrait of what they look like, what they're wearing and so on, to, to actually have a way of introducing people to someone because for, some, for all sorts of reasons, some of them can't be photographed, might jeopardise their application to residency or various things. And uh, a drawing of them um, is a way of seeing them. So it, it, it was interesting that something as old-fashioned, if you like, as life drawing could mm. be used in a political way. But most of my work is, as I said, it's figurative, so it, and it's about people. Um, I usually say also that it's narrative, so that there is, I like to think um, there is kind of a story involved in each picture, but it's not an illustration to a story, and there's not one literal story. It's supposed to make you look and make you wonder what's going on, who are these people, what's happening, what are they thinking, and to engage you and to make up, in a way, your own ideas of, of what's going on. Mm, so you have this, it's, it's more like a curiosity, a very deep curiosity of like seeing someone and then saying, hmm, I wonder what they're about and what's their yeah, life like and, you know. I'm interested in people. Mm. Yeah, I'm interested in people. So there, I don't paint straight landscapes. Uh, I don't, I'm not interested in trees. I mean, they're nice, okay, but a person is much more interesting than landscape to me. You're not interested in that. Um, and not interested in, you know, and I'm not an abstract painter, although there's obviously abstract elements. I like there to be a subject that you can see. They have varying degrees of realism, but they're not really very realistic. I would say expressionist, mm. but they um, they are always based on human beings. And uh, as I said, usually with some kind of story. Most of them, most of them have what I would say a, a female protagonist. So most of them. Um, the main character in them is a woman. Um, not all. I'm looking at something now that's not, but mostly they are. And they're not for me. People think they all are. They aren't. But I do do quite a lot of self-portraits too. Um, but a lot of them are just some woman um, and something that's happening with her. Mm. And I think that in a way it's a bit like when a female novelist writes a novel very often the main character is a woman. I know not always, but very often um, because, you know, that instead of it being a man represents every man in all humanity, well, a woman could really do that too. Mm. Mm. So when you do your self-portraits, are you trying to um, convey something about yourself or just um, women in general? Good question. Well, some of them are about myself and some of them are... I think that that's a very good question. It's certainly not to try and neatly draw what I look like mm. and, and do something that's like a, a hand-painted rendition of a passport photo because I can't think of anything more boring. <laughs> so it's actually not about that. Um, but, yeah, as you say, you yeah, know, that's very interesting. I think, though, that if you're painting something or you're writing something about what you feel, it tends to be there tends to be universal things so that um, if I'm writing something that's or painting something that's specific to myself, quite often that is something that other people will identify with or people will look at it and uh, hopefully bring their own life experiences to it. So they see a figure in a room um, or say, they say they see a, pic a picture of, I'm looking at something in my studio right now, some woman standing 
um, with her bags packed looking out to sea at the end of some road. Um, what's going on there? Well, there could be all sorts of things going on there. And when you look at it, you bring your own life experience or your own ideas as to what's happening there. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing something that is specific to yourself, often that makes it universal because um, as human beings, you know, we all do have similar experiences or similar feelings about things. Mm. Mm. And when you're painting, do you often, do you ever feel like um, there's just a sort of, uh, I don't know how to say it without, I guess it, I, I'll just say it, like it's something that's spiritual. Yeah. It's almost like a spiritual experience that happens. Um, you feel very connected that of what you're doing or you're drawn to do something that you don't really know why. And then as you're doing it, it becomes more evident. Uh, yeah, in a way, I wouldn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word spiritual, but I do think that what does happen sometimes when it's really going well, mm. um, that it almost seems like magic, almost. But that doesn't happen very often. Mostly, it's like it's work, work, really hard. You know, paint something, paint it out, do it again. That's not right. Scrape it off. It's not right. Scrape it off, and then, and then occasionally on the last go of it, suddenly it all seems to happen. Um, or, you know, that, that it, I find that generally speaking, when something does work in a way that doesn't seem like magic, it's only like it's a reward for all the other work you've done beforehand. <laughs> so, you know, if you're doing um, 50 quick drawings, mm. it is more likely that the 50th is going to be one that turns out really well, not the first, most mm. likely, because by then you know what it is. I mean, you have an idea when you're going to do something, you have an idea in your head, but you don't know what it looks like. So you have to draw it or paint it. Mm. And then as you're trying to find out what it looks like, you end up changing it and changing it. You, you know, but not 100%. So you have an idea, but not um, not 100%. You have to find it. Mm. And um, it's rare that it happens quickly, occasionally, but but not, unfortunately, not very often, not very often. Yeah, and that's really interesting to hear you say that because, um, you know, when I look at your work, it just looks so fresh and it's like you just, Oh, well, you that's, know. thank you. I'm glad because that's what you want it to be. So, mm. it's a, so it's a question, as I said, of when something is um, like, you know, again, I'm in my studio right now looking at something that I need to work on. I don't, there's a face on this thing I'm looking at right now. I don't particularly like the face. So I'm not going to keep adding bits. I'm going to paint it out and do it again because I want it to have a freshness and a simplicity mm. um, rather than something fiddly. What it's like, what I'm in, in talking about it in terms of, say, writing, it's a bit like writing something very concisely in just a few sentences, which is right on spot on and really gives you the idea of something rather than writing, you know, three pages, you know. So if you can say something or paint something quite simply, which has it all, that really is an achievement and that's um, often what I'm looking for. Mm. And sometimes you have to write the three pages to then, you know, just cross it all off and and then come up with those three sentences. So painting is the same. That's mm. true. It is the same. And there's, I'll make analogies between writing and painting because most people don't understand painting, but most people have had some experience writing something, whatever mm. it is. And, yeah, I agree. It is like that. So if you write three pages and then as you do that, 
you realise what's superfluous and then you realise what it is you really want to say and um, and it might only be just a few lines, which is which is it. And that, yeah, it is. you often have to do too much and then edit it out, get rid of it. Um, so, you know, it's a, it surprises me how people don't quite realise that. But sometimes if it's something that, that needs that can't really be reworked and reworked. You just need to do another one, do it again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. Uh, so the the most common question that painters get asked, for which I still don't have a even now I still don't have a clever response to, is how long did it take you to do it? They say, <laughs> and um, and I just and I just look. I have no idea. That's not. You know, it's so I understand people who don't, uh, you know, are trying to quantify it. But it's like I don't clock on and clock off. I have no idea. I work for a day or two, then put it away, then work for another day or two, then pick it up and work for half an hour. Then but even if I had clocked on with some time clock, that's not how long it took me to do it. Mm. I've been thinking about it for ages. Um, it, it relates to three other things I did. It relates to something I did 10 years ago. It relates to drawing, you know, I could, it's, it, there's, when does it start? When does it stop? Um, there's a the, there was a, a writer friend of mine who said, which I think is a really good thing. She said that when she's asked how long did it take her to do it, she said, um, "I say to them, do I count the bit where I'm walking the dog?" Which I think is a really nice <laughs> one. But in other words, you're thinking about it all the time, even when you're not doing it. Mm. Well, I think that um, that's really the crux of the whole thing that people, um, it's not that they don't understand just about painters or writers. I think it really involves the creative process that people don't understand what the creative process is. And, no, you know, and I believe that we're all creative. It doesn't mean you have mm -hmm. to paint and draw to be creative. Everyone's creative in their own way. But I think what we're not taught, which is a shame that we're not taught this sort of thing in schools or wherever, the creative process and what that involves, because often it is that time where you're not doing anything. You're actually not at you know, your canvas no, with a paintbrush, you're, yeah. you're sort of in the composting stage where you're sort of just all letting right. things, you know, formulate and all of that. It's and so, in the back of your mind. Yes. Yeah, it's in the back of your mind. That's mm. right. Well, that's why, that's why I often do make analogies with writing, as I said, because even if whatever people have had to write, even if it's not terribly creative, it's something, a letter you have to write to someone, a very important letter or something, you still know that you have to keep, you have to give it a – usually the most sensible way to do it is just to jot everything down um, and then try and work out where it, where which comes first and which bit needs to be totally removed and et cetera, et cetera. And as you do it, you get more ideas. Well, it does work like that with painting. Um, but, yeah, most people don't quite realise that, so they sort of think it all – all of a sudden you did that. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, it, everything comes from everything else that you've done. Mm. So that sort of um, brings me to the question of uh, inspiration because people always feel like they have to be inspired to actually do anything or take action. And I tend to not think that way. And I'm, I'm just curious how, how you, what you think about inspiration or how that shows up in your life. Well, what I think, a good, my favorite quote about inspiration, which is the best of all, is Picasso, mm -hmm. who says, inspiration exists but it has to find us working. Yes, I love that one too. And that is absolutely <laughs> right. That's so good. You don't just say all of a sudden, I'm not going to be walking along and then suddenly get an idea for a, 
um, a classical piano composition. I'm not a pianist, <laughs> so I'm not going to get an idea for that. Mm, um, mm. You know, and you don't. If you haven't painted for ten years, you're probably not going to get it either. But if you're in the middle of work, if you're thinking about something you're, you're struggling with, and you've been thinking about it, and you've been working on it all morning, um, and then you you walk down the road to get some milk, on the way there you might just have an idea or you might see something which will spark something or suddenly something happens that leads it. So that could be some form of inspiration if you like, but it only happened because you're already in it. You're, you're already, already in, in the in process. Yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. You have to be in the process. You don't wait. And if you don't know what you, and if you don't know what to do, you're not really sure for some reason, which is not something I have. I've always got lots of things I want to do, but if you weren't, you just start to do something and, um, it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you're, you're doing something. And if you're doing something, more will come. You have to be doing it. Mm. And um, it doesn't even matter if it's not – doesn't matter if it's not very good. doesn't matter if it's rubbish. You can chuck it away. But you need to be doing something. Otherwise, nothing will come. Mm. I often um, – I have clients who I help them to connect to their creativity. And, and I often say it's just really about finding something you enjoy and just do it for yourself, you know, without well, any right. attachment to the outcome. Just play around with it. And by Absolutely doing that, right. something will come. Absolutely right. And you should, I mean, the reason you should be doing it anyway is because you like to do it. And, and also, as you're saying, I think, too, you shouldn't censor it. Because, you know, I mean, I was just talking to someone the other day. And the, you know, I talked to amateur artists who say, you know, I've got, um, I don't really do much and I'm a little scared or whatever. And then they say things like, um, they say things like, um, I, I've got this sketchbook. And I just say, look, just draw all the time. Just draw. Don't worry what it looks like. Um, don't censor it. Don't, don't show anyone. Don't show anyone as well. Because mm. if you do that, um, you can be thinking, Oh, they might think it looks dumb or it looks silly or, you know, whatever. You've, you've got to be prepared for it to look dumb. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Just do it and don't show anybody if you feel reluctant. And then after a while you can show them, but that doesn't, that's not the issue. It's, um, you, you can't tell yourself, I better not do this or I better not do that. You have to just play around and, and just see what, what happens. Mm, I like that tip of not showing anybody because it works in a, in a number of ways. First of all, not showing anyone is then you're not depending on that outside uh, affirmation for one thing. That's it's, right. That's and, right. And that can really destroy things. You know, someone could say, I like it, and then you're depending on that. Or they can say, I don't like it, and then you're, you know, you're thrown into another whole tunnel. That's so, right. And, and you're still working it out. So you, mm. you need to, yeah, don't, that's a good thing to do, particularly when you're, um, well, when you're just starting out, or even just when you're starting out on an idea, like you know, just just think about think about it for yourself, but don't censor it either. Don't think I better not do this because it will look stupid. Mm. Just do it, or compare it, on- or compare it to someone else's. You know, like don't go there. <laughs> That's right, and also do it on very cheap cheap paper mm. or very cheap, so that you can so that you're telling yourself while you're doing it, I'm just mucking around. I can just chuck all this away. It's not you don't you're not doing it on very expensive materials because otherwise um you're so worried about oh this just cost me you know twenty dollars or something or whatever it is um you don't want to be thinking like that you just want to think no it doesn't matter I'm just going to do this and um who cares. Mm. So I'm going to talk about, um, I want to ask you about your travel and um, because you say you love to travel and you want to travel 
everywhere. And um, did you always have that love or did that come after you just started to do artwork and, and wanting to, you know, see different people and different parts of the world? Well, I won, when I was um, in my 20s, I won, among other things, I won a scholarship and uh, I got to, and I also had a, a residency in Paris and various other things, which took me overseas for the first time because I wouldn't mm. have been able to afford to go otherwise. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, I think that that experience was probably what started me off on um, you know, my love of travel. So I'm, I'm always wanting to go somewhere else. I mean, there's, there's nothing more exciting than going somewhere to a different culture where you don't really understand what's going on and mm. um, everything looks different and food is different and the people are different and so on and so on. But I will also say that although the people are different fundamentally, they are all the same. They might have different cultural things. They might have be wearing strange clothes to us or speaking strange language or whatever customs. But deep down, you get the same in that most people are good, most people are kind, and a few people will be wanting to rip you off. <laughs> but, you know, the majority of people are decent, you know, with a few bad ones. It just depends on who you bump into, but that's the same absolutely everywhere. Mm. The same sort of, everyone it really is much the same, but the the differences in how people live and the look of different places is, um, you know, is, a, is, is very exciting. So uh, that's something I love very much. I mean, I am going to, and I'm, I used to teach uh, part-time in art schools. I don't do that anymore. I haven't done that for the last 10 years or so, a bit more than 10 years now. But I still do occasionally um, take groups of people to different places where we paint. And I'm, I'm doing one again in Morocco uh, at the end of November this year. And that's, Morocco is an example of a place where, um, you know, it looks very different. Um, but, you know, lovely, friendly people, um, fascinating place and uh, just, you know, just such a wonderful place. To paint somewhere different is very inspiring because it stops you from drawing, painting, and thinking the way you normally do. It mm. forces you out of you know this kind of routine, I suppose, way yeah. of doing things. A sort of a hip, habituated way of seeing. Yes, yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. So you can't do that anymore because it doesn't look the way you expect, mm. and uh, that's you know I think that's a that's a really good thing. I think that's a fabulous thing. I think that actually um, having that ability to see things with fresh eyes is is part of being able to express things as an artist. That's right. I agree. Well, that's what you – exactly. Well, that's what you need to have as an artist. That's what you need to have all the time. Mm. So even if you are painting your own backyard or or your own kitchen or something that you see every day, you still need to be able to have what I just said, which is seeing it freshly. Mm. So you always need to have that. Um, but it, it does help, I suppose, when it is somewhere new. But it is, it, I mean, it's just, look, it's just exciting and it gives you energy, I think. Mm. I think there's nothing better than traveling and there's no better, you know, you, you can buy things and I do. I've got a huge amount of clothes, particularly secondhand clothes and all kinds of things. So I'm not pretending that I'm so virtuous in terms of getting things because I do. But, <laughs> in the 
if you don't end up with all that stuff, all this stuff goes. But yeah. you always have the memories of where you went. And anyone who travels a lot will, will say that, that there's nothing better to spend your money and you, on and you always have it. You always have it. Things that I did when I was in my 20s, you know, experiences like that. I've still got those things inside me. They're mm. part of me, um, whereas I don't have things that I bought at that time. But I do have the memories of that. And that is, there's nothing better, mm. you know, to do that. So the trip to Morocco, Wendy, uh, how, mm. how many days is that? Um, that's 10 days. 10 days. 10 and days, do, you, and yeah. do you need to be experienced or? No, no, no. In fact, that's another, that's another thing actually about, which is an important thing, in a way relates to what you were asking me initially about, mm. you know, school and so on. Um, with painting, if you're sitting drawing someone, for example, or painting someone, you can have someone who's never done it before sitting next to, say, Picasso, and you're both doing it and you're both striving. I mean, I would give someone who's a beginner some tips on how to approach it and so on, but you're all striving at your own level. Uh, it's not a competition mm. and it's not like sport, which is another thing that I really hated at school. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> have that kind of competitive thing it's all about what I was just saying about doing your own thing what I was talking about when I said you know how I was rewarded for doing something with my individual there's a you're you're allowed to do what you want and it's all about you not about some competition to all try and reach the same point because there isn't just one point so um yeah so you can have people who've done masses of drawing and painting or people who've never done anything at all um and uh, actually, I did one last year, and one of the people who came along had never done anything at all and really, you know, did some great things because he really uh, dared to try. And daring, actually, is another thing. Like, it wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't afraid to say, okay, I'm just going to just do it, and um, I'm not going to be worried about if it looks dumb or anything like that. I'm just going to really throw myself into it. And um, you know, he did some quite amazing results. So um, yeah, you need to be you need to be it's, it's quite brave in that you need to take lots of risks. And uh, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. Mm, I think that's but such an important thing in anything in life. I mean, not just art, anything. It it's like just dare to do what's in your heart, what you really are drawn to, what you want to do, and just go out there and do it. It's like, what, well, that's right. You know, what, that's what's right. the worst thing that could happen? Well, that's right. That's exactly right. And I always say, and I know you would think this too, that you 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 regret. Generally speaking, you regret things you didn't do, not things you did. I mean, mm. even if you do something that doesn't work out, you try something, and that could be on something. We're not just talking about painting now, talking about more important things. You try <laughs> to do something, it didn't work, and um, okay, well, you can say to yourself, well, I gave it a go, it was worth a try, it didn't work. Um, instead of, I always wanted to do that and I could and I didn't. I mean, if you can, if there, I always say, if there's something you want to do and you can, do it and mm. do it and do it, you know. If you really can't, I mean, I'm talking about travel, okay, you really, really don't have the money and you really, really can't get it together, well, okay, do what you, you know, maybe in a few years' time or whatever. But if it's something you want to do and you actually can, then do it. I mean, life is short. Even if you have an incredibly long life, it's still short. Mm. And you don't. What you don't want to do is to be sitting there as a very elderly person. Let's say very, very. Let's hope, and say, 
I could have. I could have done that. I always wanted to go there. I always wanted to do that. And I could have, but I didn't. And um, that, I think, is probably the worst regret you can have when you when you actually had you could have, you know. So you you don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to make sure that I can say, well, you know, I did everything that every opportunity to do something interesting I, I actually took. That's beautiful. And I think that's just such valuable wisdom to share. And um, I think that's a really good note to end on. And for for the listeners, I'm going to put the links up. Um, you'll give them to me, Wendy, and I'll put the links up for uh, the Moroccan adventure and anything else that um, we talked about today. I will. I'll also mention that I'll also mention that I have an exhibition called Circus, which is um, uh, coming up uh, in September in Sydney. So I'll, I'll send you through that too. Beautiful. Excellent. So wonderful to talk to you. I'd love to do it again because there's so much richness and juiciness in um, everything you're sharing above and beyond painting. But I love also just to dive into that whole world because, um, yeah, I have a deep affection for it. So thank you so much, Wendy. Great to talk to you. Wow, what a great episode. I loved talking to Wendy. She's so dynamic. I love her energy, her sort of daring to just go for it no matter what. And, um, you know, if the opportunity arises and she can, she does it. And she encourages all of us to do the same. And that is just the most wonderful tip. And I know that, you know, having that courage to dare sometimes is a little tricky. And as a creativity coach, I see that with my clients. And so if you feel like you'd like support, there's several ways that you can find it. You can go to my website, uh, www.asiakennedy.com and look at my programs in creativity coaching or you can join my Facebook group for free Brilliant Misfits where we carry on the conversations that take place in the podcast and share with like-hearted women about all the things the ideas the creative possibilities that we are exploring and expanding together thank you all for being here today if you enjoyed the episode please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, www.asiakennedy.com.